Yo! What's happening, everybody? It's probably Thursday where you're at. It is not Thursday where we are at. But this is the Work For It podcast, the podcast where we talk about business in the workshop. And today, we're joined by an amazing guest who uh, decided to join us on this fine show, Mr. Jeff Fader. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, guys. What's going on? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. And for of course, sure. we've got uh, the sharp Santa himself, B-Cone Knives, on hey. the show. Hey, man, the leaves are just barely turning. I don't know if I turn into sharp, sharp Santa until the snow hits the ground. No, well, did I, I, I sent you the picture the other day, right, of the freaking uh, Fred Meyer store here, which if you don't know what Fred Meyer is, kind of like a upscale Walmart, if you will. Okay, all right. But uh, Fred Meyer has Christmas lights on their shelves. <laughs> of course they do. Of course and they've they had do. them for like three weeks now, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah, for sure, um, for sure. We are not joined today by Dr. Housewert. He is uh, taking a little break today. He's been uh, experiencing some yeah, the poor dude craziness. The poor dude has shingles, and he is. Yeah. I mean, I know he announced it on his Instagram and whatnot. So yeah, man, that just absolutely sucks. Shit on a shingle. Have you guys ever had shingles? No. Stop everything for a second. I know that you named this episode that, and I, 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 I hope you don't. I hope you. Oh no, that was just my. I hope you leave that alone. Internal name. I'll tell you what happened because I yesterday, uh, I guess yesterday was Tuesday. I uh, I saw a message from uh, I saw on a Facebook post that Brian had said that he has shingles. So yeah. like I do because I know him. I reached out to him and I said, are you feeling okay? And then he said, I feel terrible. So I called him and I talked to him during Hurricane Ian. I think, oh, must be not good. So I yeah. called him up and he sounded terrible. He sounded, yeah. te I mean, literally he was explaining it and he was, he still had that deep voice, but it was like, it was clearly yeah. like, you know, not good. And I just was talking to him and he's miserable and he's pain, it's the pain and he's got it all over half his body. And then he, you know, he, yeah. he believes his stress from Hurricane Ian and all the stuff he's doing. And then he's invested all this stuff and his for his shop and all the new products that he's doing. Yeah. And I'm talking to him and he's, I was like, look, if there's anything I can do, let me know. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm in New York and he's in Florida. There's clearly nothing I can do. And I said, well, you better not just say it. If you don't have anything, you can help them. Right? With. right so right. I said, I said, look, if you need, if you want a day off and you want a guest host, I'm happy to fill in. He jumped so fast. <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah, yes. yeah. He jumped. I see where so, we rate. Yeah. I was hoping. I see where I mean, we rate. Honestly, honestly, <laughs> well, listen, I was honestly hoping it was a, it was a hollow, it was a hollow thing on, it was right? a hollow <laughs> thing on my behalf. But he jumped so quickly to okay great well they record tomorrow click hang up and i was just like all right talk, well, there you go. talk to the boys next time i'm gonna keep my mouth shut you know but I'm gonna, <laughs> honestly i'm happy to be here and uh yeah you know here we are yeah i was saying uh earlier to the to the boys that uh, of all the times we've been on you've been on the show i've missed every one of them so it's it's great to join you for once it's very appropriate so yeah. i'm appreciative appreciate being here and uh thanks guys yeah, no problem. Right. So yeah, Brian's uh, fighting the shingle, and and I've known a few people that have had them, like my parents' friends, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. 
and from what I from what I've seen and heard and with Brian, it is absolute freaking misery. Just absolute misery. Completely debilitating so, for sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's rough. And he's, you know, Brian doesn't quit. He just, uh, he well, balls out all the time. It comes from stress. I mean, yeah. it, well, it comes from a couple things. I talked to my wife about it, and she said that it's part of the chicken. And I was talking to Brian yesterday. I guess part of the, if you have the chicken pox, it always stays with you. Right. And yeah. then it's usually, from what everyone says about shingles, stress brings it up. And he's yep. under a lot of stress because <laughs> of Hurricane Ian. He thought he was going to lose his whole shop with all the stuff yeah. he just bought and all the nonsense he's up to, all the mania. So you know, look, it was a physical. It was a it was a physical reaction. You had a physical reaction with stress. So yeah, yeah, it's a good reminder, go. right? It's uh, no, it's not. Uh, it's not a good reminder. Well, it's not a good I reminder at all. It's don't get the fucking chicken pox and then get stressed <laughs> out later. Because you can help that. What's the reminder? What's the reminder? <laughs> it's a good reminder to take a break and uh, and if you've got too much stress in your life, recognize it. I think it's. I think that we live in the culture of uh, can do sometimes, and maybe sometimes we shouldn't do. <laughs> I know. Of course. But at the same time, it's like... Easier think, said than done. Right? Well, but also, we also live in a culture where we give ourselves a lot of time off. So yeah, we give ourselves sure. a lot of breaks. And yep. unfortunately, this is the society that thinks that everything, you're entitled to everything. And unfortunately, yeah. that isn't the case. So he did what he had to do, and unfortunately, he had gotten the chicken pox when he was a kid. Yep. There you go. Is it? Is there a? Is there? There's a shingles vaccine, isn't there? That, that he, you get when you're a kid. Yes. He told. He also told. He also told me that I should get in line to get the shingles vaccine. There so you, go. you can go out and do that if you want. But I think we're. I think I've done enough of the old telling people what to do in the vaccine department. <laughs> you know. So we're I listened done with that. to. A, I listened to an interesting podcast yesterday, um, and it was about. Um, vaccines and it talked about uh, getting a vaccine as a shot versus getting a vaccine as a like an inhale you know right. kids can do the inhale thing and um americans overwhelmingly believe that the shot works better than the inhaled version hmm. right I wonder why we are I, they kind of equated it uh, like you get a little bit of pain, you know, it seems more official, you got to get a shot and all these other things. But there were there were multiple other countries that didn't really care how they got a vaccine, you know, they could shove it up their ass for all they care. And uh, if that's what the doctor said, they believed it. But Americans overwhelmingly uh, support uh, shots as vaccines or go to the complete opposite end of the spectrum and they're just afraid of needles and they don't want anything to do with the shot. <laughs> now, wait a second. So what you're saying is people believe the effectiveness of an inhaler is less effective than a shot. And Correct. the reasoning probably is because they're all a bunch, everybody knows they fake everything. Like, no, yes. like people, not, I'm not talking about doctors. I mean, people, when I was a kid, yeah. I my I wanted to not go to school and my mother I said my throat hurt my mother gave yeah. me some tea I stuck the thermometer in the tea to <laughs> right. get to get a fever well of course I'm like a hundred fucking forty so right. it's like yeah. so a obviously it worked but I mean if you're inhaling it probably people think well it's not as effective because I'm probably yeah. gonna do something wrong yeah and then they also said too like um. Because uh, in the U.S. here, right, kids get it usually under the age of six or whatever. They'll get the inhaled version. And uh, that, that played into it as well, they thought, is that, well, if, if it works for kids, it won't work for an adult, right? Um, so it's kind of, well, it was kind of interesting. It was, uh, yeah. 
the Revisionist History podcast. I don't know if you ever listened to that, but uh, from Malcolm Gladwell. Pretty, pretty cool shit, really. I don't, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, frankly. <laughs> yeah, you make a lot. I do a couple, but I'm afraid of being uh, influenced, frankly. Yeah? I'm afraid yeah? of being influenced, especially with a lot of maker podcasts. I'm afraid that I'm going to say something that somebody else says, so I, I yeah. stay steer clear. I, uh, yeah, there you go. So, there Jeff, few, if, you're not, uh, if you're not listening to podcasts while you're working, what are you listening to? You know, good question. I'm actually, right now, the sports radio in New York has always been good. Them Yankees, and, but right? It's, well, sports, but short, sports radio... Local sports radio has been good because they've always embraced the shock jockery quality. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it, the f- interesting thing is there are there's a there's a, a station in New York called WFAN, and they're famous because they had a lot of great sports guys. They had Mike and the Mad Dog. Mike Francesa now does a sports show, but he was doing stuff with the New York Giants, and then he, they did a lot of baseball. And Mad Dog, Chris Russo does stuff with Stephen A. Smith these days. Fantastic. But there's like a shot. They understand that New York radio is like the birthplace of Howard Stern and Don Imus. Mm-hmm. So they really needed yeah. this kind of shock jock. So now sports radio is great, especially now with the Yankees and the Mets, because these guys are just like, they're brutal and they're yeah. funny. They're fun. Some of them are funny. So <laughs> I've been listening to sports radio. And now that the Yankees are in the playoffs, and they won their first game one of the, of the ALDS. Uh, the sports radio is great. I mean, I like yeah. sports radio, and I'm not a football guy. I like baseball and basketball. And that's about it. But huh. I listen to sports so I, radio. I grew up. I, I've heard you tell your story of um, kind of growing up as a latchkey kid with the radio and and listening to you know the radio all the time just to have that other voice in right. the room. I I grew up in the middle of the woods where we didn't have TV. Period. You know, we got antenna, public TV. That was about it. Freaking Bob Vila. And we always had the radio on, always. You know, it was like a, it was like an unwritten rule. The only time it went off is literally when you went upstairs to bed, and in the morning the old man would turn it on at six, and it would play all freaking day. You know, and <laughs> so it was kind of that very similar but different, I guess, in that it wasn't me alone listening to the radio, but the radio was always on. And uh, this old dude lived down the hill from us, old Pete, and Pete would come up. Uh, while we were at school and work and whatever else, and he'd just kind of check on the place. And uh, Pete was a bit of a of a drinker, and so he would not only come up and peel potatoes for dinner, but he would, uh, you know, finish off a a half gallon jug of the cheapest whiskey you could buy once a week, you sure. know. <laughs> but Pete would always come up and listen to the Pittsburgh Pirate games, and I still remember that. I mean, we would sit in the yard or whatever we were doing work or splitting wood or whatever it was and pete would always come up when there was a pirate game on and we come up and listen to uh what's his name bob walk wait a second uh, wait a not, second uh, wait a second you're you're burying the lead here yeah. so a guy would come up to your house <laughs> yeah would yeah he the country. bring the whiskey would he bring the whiskey no no hell no man pa- oh, so he would take his your wife- parents whiskey yeah, his wife didn't, you know, his wife so, wouldn't buy whiskey, so he'd come up to our place because my mom would buy it. <laughs> wow. So wait, so he'd come up to your house, and he would take it, or your mom would give it to him? No, he'd just drink it there. So he he'd would, just, wait, you're, you're screwing this whole story up. <laughs> so this guy would come up this hill to your house to listen to yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers or Pittsburgh Pirates, well, he'd and come then he'd up go all... into your parents' medicine, uh, liquor cabinet, and he would yeah. drink their liquor and then oh, peel yeah. potatoes 
Sure. Yeah. Whatever what needed done. Why do you think that this sounds normal? Why do you think <laughs> we, this sounds normal? We, he was almost like a um, pedophile. Well, no, <laughs> no, because we weren't there. You know, like we. I know. Like most That's most times. He was a robber. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a caretaker. Uh. A Pete would make the rounds. Dude, Pete would make the rounds. Pete are, would check on. He would go in and delusional world and check yeah. on other other camps and stuff oh, for people, you know. And yeah. he'd go around, but Pete was a raging freaking alcoholic, yeah, and, and so yeah. So there would and, always be know, a note. Well, it was kind of like the the payment, I guess, is the oh, way. That's, the way it worked, why right? You, why are you protecting <laughs> Pete? You're protecting him. You're protecting his Pete legacy. Because Pete was awesome. He wasn't Pete awesome. Was awesome. I would yeah, be pissed. I would be pissed. If there was well, a drunk the guy bottle coming to was my... specifically bought for Pete, you know, and what? and at times he'd leave a twenty there. Wait you know, a second. Hey, so if you're, you're in town, pick up second. a jug. Finish the story. Well, hold a second. Hold a second. Hold a second. So your mom knew that he was going to come up at some point to listen to a game, so she would make sure that there. was... Oh no, he'd come every day. Every day he'd come up, and because when I was growing up, we didn't have so we heated our house with coal. And so the fire would go out, right? So we'd leave the house at seven or whatever time it was to go to school. And if, if nobody came and stoked the fire, by the time we got home at five, six, whatever o'clock at night, so we were like 35 minutes outside of town in the woods. So by the time we got done with sports and whatever other shit, you know, after school activities and we got home, the fire, it'd be cold as hell in the house. So Pete would come up in the winter most frequently and he'd stoke the fire. You know, he'd come up around noon or whatever, make sure there was enough fire in there to keep it warm. And then he'd come up, you know, around three or so again and throw some more coal in there, make sure it was nice and warm when we got home. But every time he came up, he'd, you know, pour himself a water glass of whiskey and <laughs> leave a note. I have a <laughs> question, a Ben. I yes. have a question. Is, is this a story that is from your real life? Are you stealing it from like the 1820s Wild West? No, because real, this, yeah. this is ridiculous. <laughs> real life, yeah, so man. So wait a it second. Well, totally we're not done life. with this story. We're not done with this story. So how often would your mom be buy, boo, buy booze for, for Pete? Oh, it kind of depended, you know. Like he'd, he'd get a rager going and maybe uh, maybe it was after hunting hunting season and the camps were stocked flush with uh, booze so he'd get a bender on you know and he'd be checking all these camps for people and by the time he made the rounds he'd be good and plowed so he'd just want to keep it going so you know i don't know maybe once a week half gallon oh, <laughs> you know that's a, that's a lot it's a that's lot a, of whiskey that's a lot man. and that, that's i remember uh, and then we he's, to, he's pay, i'm sure that he's giving your house special attention because oh yeah because your yeah. mom is like completely taking advantage of his alcoholism right exactly yeah and my, yeah there was always something you know i remember as a kid you'd hear my parents kind of not arguing about it but you know just kind of back and forth like yeah we really should stop buying pete you know stop buying whiskey and then they'd they'd go a couple weeks where they wouldn't buy anything you know and then pretty soon pete would leave a note and hey if you happen to go by the liquor store grab a jug <laughs> wait a second dude you're you are laughing all through this crazy story so he would basically write a note saying bring more whiskey yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't you think any of this story's crazy, Ben? <laughs> well, I lived it, so I, I guess I can't. <laughs> it sounds total. So the guy was coming to your house, bombed. He would drink, and then he would say, "Bring more whiskey," and then he'd sure. hang out and watch the Pittsburgh Pirates in your house. Well, and he I thought don't this think was he. Normal. Uh, he'd come up and listen to the games when we were there. You know, when he came up during the day, it was kind of to do a specific check the fire kind of thing, right. and if something else needed done, you know. Uh, 
it wasn't very often he would peel potatoes Jesus. or whatever, you know. But I remember um, when we were putting the we were putting the uh, we put poplar sort of tongue and groove in our living room. When I moved down to the woods, I was probably about seven. Wait a eight second. Years what do you old. mean you moved down to the woods? Well, my parents split up when I was five, and then my mom married my stepdad. And he lived at this house that I grew up in, basically, right. in the woods. And when he bought it, it was a, you know, fallen into the earth farmhouse, you know, 100-year-old farmhouse. And he was in the process of fixing it up and, you know, converting the 50 acres of land to something usable and all that kind of stuff. And so when we moved down there, it was pretty rough. You know, it was basically it was camp. And, uh, and it was like the bachelor hangout. So all my stepdad's buddies would come down every weekend, you know, work on a project or whatever it was. Um, and so it was kind of like everybody'd go for a Sunday drive and end up at our house, you know, (laughs) but, uh, we were putting, uh, the paneling in the living room and, uh, we had this big apple tree. You probably couldn't reach your arms around the base of this thing. It was this massive apple tree. And this huge branch had fallen off of one side. And so there was this big hollow cavity that went way down into the the trunk of this thing about, I don't know, seven, eight foot up high. And then there were these knot holes that had rotted out. So you could kind of peek into this thing. Well, my my grandpa and Pete were the like head of the planing department. So they would put, they'd run all the boards through the planer out by this apple tree. And we couldn't figure out, my old man's like, I don't know what the hell's taking those guys so long, oh, you know, no. like this, this should be done. Well, come to find out they tied a, tied a rope around a jug of whiskey and it was hiding, <laughs> hiding in, a, in the trunk of that freaking apple tree, you know? So Pete and Grandpa Sorg would sit out there nipping whiskey and planing boards all day. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> it, was, it was just a circus growing up, you know, just a, an absolute circus, but. All that to say, we listen to the radio a lot. <laughs> yeah. Do you, want, do you know what this is, Jeff? This is an absolute... Alcoholism. Edu- well, no. It's an absolute education of you. Like, this is how you pull a story out of someone when you're interviewing them. Good. Well, you, yes. you, you know, you have to listen. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you have to think about how you would feel about what they're saying. And if something right. sticks out as yeah. being odd, you, gotta, you have to, like, investigate. Yeah. Right. There's a right. lot odd, a, a lot of oddities. I think that's back a, on, on that uh, frankly, time. frankly, that's a disturbing. St- you know, nowadays yeah. it would be a disturbing story. It would, Absolutely. it would totally. Pete, you know, Pete was a, a steel mill worker in Pittsburgh for years, and he was a foreman of a crew and big football player through high school and everything, and Slovenian heritage, and and that region of Pennsylvania, that north central region of Pennsylvania, or sort of western ish, I guess. It's interesting. It's um, I I would say that alcohol is a very very common thread in that region. You know, it's um, I don't I don't know why, but it just is. It's a it's a culture back there that I don't know. I'm I've, I'm glad to be away from in a lot of ways, but uh, it's an interesting area for that alcohol and cancer. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uplifting. Great, great place to go. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But um, what's been happening in your shops? What's going on over in uh, Michigan, B-Cone? 
Well, it's it's been the end of the fantasy challenge for me. So I have the sword built, yeah. of course, but I am doing voiceovers, helping Kyle, you know, try to trim down this. The first the first edit I got earlier this week was like thirty two minutes long, and Ooh, like what is the, what is the fantasy challenge? You have to you have to set this up. I don't, sure, I don't know sure. Saying. Pretend like I've never heard this show. <laughs> yeah, of course. So the fantasy challenge was uh, started off by Ailey Knives and Dennis Tyrell. And it started off as, I think it was like 10 knife makers all making a Gyotu. It was the oh, Gyotu man. challenge. And uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm just mangling the way that that's actually pronounced. And there's but. been, what, a handful of them thus far? Yeah, there's been a couple for sure. And uh, yeah, it's basically just kind of grown and grown and grown. And now it's 20, 20 people who are competing and then five judges above that. And yeah, it's basically you make... A fantasy knife. Whatever you think a fantasy blade is, go ahead and make it. Make a YouTube video around it. And the videos come out this upcoming Friday, a noon Eastern. It's. I mean, you can do the conversions on your own on that one. But uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy because it's always by far my best, like most viewed videos every time I've done it. And so I finished up making the uh, sword I made for that, and it's it's just a giant project, and now we're trying to take this 32 minutes and whittle it down to something that's a lot more consumable. Yeah, so it's, it's been a lot, a for one. sure. And, and that, that Dennis video... Tyrell this weekend. Yeah. yeah. How he was, was Maker ma- Camp? I, he was a Maker I, Camp. I, saw... I had a real nice time meeting him. He's a great guy, and uh, I'm sorry for interrupting. No, sure, you're good. Uh, you're good. I, I was just going to ask, you know, how was Maker Camp? Because that's that's yeah. where you saw so many damn people. It was great. It was great. This is our, well, it's been, I mean, two years where it was like canceled. So we we yeah. were the Modern Forge, which is a, a blacksmithing team started by Cliff Dufton, John Ariani, Jesse Savage, Carrie Savage, and I. We started, uh, we did a uh, event in Queens called Maker Camp, uh, Maker Fair. Mm-hmm. And we forged in this huge fair. There was ninety thousand people there. We forged, and we ended up winning six uh, blue ribbons. Nice uh, from the judges, nice. from the editors' choices. And and Jimmy Duresta was there, and we that's where we met him. And he was kind of starting to think that that there's something should be done. That mm-hmm. was also the last year Maker Fair. They stopped it because right. of the you know Ma- Maker Magazine. I don't know what the hell that happened to them. And and then um, we retired. Fun. We retired champions. And then uh, Jimmy had mentioned that uh, that uh, that this there's a camp near him. It's called the Blackthorn Resort, and it's right near his farm, his little his where he lives. And it's a mm-hmm. and it's a great, it's a like cottage, and you can do camping, and there are RVs there, and they have a lot of events there. Um, and they just thought one year we're gonna do. I want to do like a small version of Maker Fair, so. They asked us to be involved, and they had a few other people, and they kind of made a production of it, and a lot of people showed up. And the first year was great. And then we were going to do it again, and then COVID hit, and then we were going to do it again, and then COVID hit two years in a row. And then we went back last year, and it was a lot bigger. Tons of social media was involved, and there were tents, and there were lathe people and woodworkers and total boat was there and uh lincoln electric was there with mig welding classes and they had you know wood turning and they had a heat treating ovens and the broadbeck ironworks guys were there and mareko momasi was there making blades which was amazing and then we were coal ironworks was there we were forging there and we were forging and it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun and um a lot of more people this was the most people who have ever been there 
Yeah. And uh, it was very communal, and it was a lot of people who knew each other online. And it was yep. a lot more fun than, you know, uh, I was talking I was talking to uh, Lawrence from Lawrence from Maritime Knife Supply. I met him there. Oh, and yeah. He, he had a great there. time. He had a great time. And there was a lot more people who, I was talking to the guys from Even Heat who just had such a great time. And it was, it was very good. It was a really good event. And uh, I had a lot of fun. So going into it, I know you had talked about doing a couple live shows. Did that did that go over well? Did it did it you know go off without a hitch? Yeah. Well, thanks for asking because I did. I was asked uh, Mark Mark Adams who takes all the pictures. I'm sure you've seen all the beautiful phenomenal pictures. photos. Yeah. Mark Adams pictures takes he takes the pictures of all these events. And last year he said to me because he listens to the Full Blast podcast. Uh, the podcast that I do, uh, the solo podcast that I do, interview. And he said, would you be interested in doing a panel discussion about creativity? Because, you know, the, the Maker Camp, they have, they'll show you how to use this, they'll show you how to use that, it's, they'll show you how to yeah, use this. sewing to blacksmithing, right? right? But what yeah. do you do with it? Once you learn to do it, what do you do with it and how do you make it your own? Yeah. And so he and I had talked about it and he says, would you be interested in leading a panel discussion? And I said, sure. And then I thought to myself... Let's just forget about it because every time someone asks me to do something down the line, it never happens anyway. So he yeah. sent me a message like you know a month a month before the thing. He's like, "Hey, I want to do that panel discussion." I'm like, "Okay, no problem." So the good part was was the people that I was talking to were fascinating: Keith Decent, uh, Leah Arapach, Andrea De Leon, Joshua Prince, and Mark. Uh, they were I had them all on. Problem was was there was no place to really record. I brought all this recording equipment, and mm -hmm. it, it was freezing, so we had to go get like a, a heater from Jimmy Duress's place. And everybody was driving around trucks and mopeds and all this bullshit. <laughs> and it was it was it, so it, it really the sound of it's probably not going to be great. And I, I got so disappointed about it, the sound because the conversation mm. was interesting, but it wasn't like a podcast, like a panel discussion, right? Yeah. So. I am putting it out on Friday on full blast, you know, all the, you know, so, you know, sound and all. Um, but it made me not, I was going to do Knife Talk Live with Mareko, but I was so disappointed with how hard it was to get the audio the way it wanted it to be. I told, I told him, let's just have a drink and then we'll see you in the mm. morning. And I, I said, let's not worry about it. So I didn't do Knife Talk. I didn't do Knife Talk Live yeah. just because it was like, you know, if it doesn't heard, sound um, good, it's not worth it. Yeah, it's tricky. I heard a podcast called Maker Skills, uh, which is um, Infinite Craftsman, Tom, and uh, Tanda Madison, and uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Son of a Junk Hunter, PJ Galati. They did a live, well, quote live, you know, they recorded an episode at Maker Camp, and kind of similar, you know, shit going off in the background and everything else. It worked. It definitely worked. It doesn't work. But uh, they, well, you know, they involved the the audience in a way, you know, so it, they kind of made it work, but it's, it's a little tricky. <laughs> it's hard to listen to, but it, just to let you know, in, in regards to the pregame and postgame of, of Maker Camp, Full Blast did it first. <laughs> yeah. We did it first. We did it first. Sure, I had a sure. pregame and a postgame. Nice. That was a couple last year, but who cares? Yeah. How many... Um, you may not know the actual number, but roughly works. How many people go to Maker Camp? Is it several hundred? It was several hundred. I think okay. I was told by this year was the most, and I was told. Yeah. I think I was told it was like seven hundred people there. I'm not 100 percent sure. There's a lot of people there. I only and see that thing growing. You know? Yeah. Well, here's the problem. Here's the good. Here's the good and the bad. The good is, is they're very. It's like it's not like. 
they're very willing to you you're once you get a ticket you're basically saying we're, you're not holding us responsible for you know getting hurt <laughs> like you get hurt you're it's on you so yeah. they the allow a lot of bull the camp they lot allow it. there's a lot of bullshit you know that they say you know don't yeah. wear you know wear open toed shoes but it's mid october no one's wearing sandals in october and yeah. and then you know but I mean, you get to do a lot of stuff, and you get a lot of mm -hmm. opportunities to do a lot of stuff. However, there is a lot of like you see a lot of like <laughs> flim flam, you know, you know stuff that just like I wouldn't, you know, yeah. you see Chris Cash shooting like, you know, uh, t-shirt guns into crowds yeah, and stuff like that. It's just like all right, that ought to go off well. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it matures out, you know, over the years. And I think once you once you uh, once you break that ceiling of you know about a thousand people, then you, 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 I don't know, if I were running something like that, my uh, risk aversion would start kicking in about now. Well, right? it's interesting you say that too because Austin Handel, who's the son, who is the son, of, the family owns the Blackthorn. Austin yeah. is Austin also. They also host you know these biker stuff, biker yeah. events like with 10,000 people there oh, so Jesus. they're Jesus. not afraid of i'm under the impression i heard okay. 10,000 i'm not i'm under the impression that they're not too worried about that the problem is the infrastructure because when you get to a certain amount there's not a, there's no more room to, for people to stay yeah and no it's not in, in the it's not close to it's not close to it's not easy to get to either so like yeah. the good thing is is because you know it's not in like the middle of queens new york you you are getting a certain amount. Of, you're getting destination people. You're not getting passers-by who thought, oh, I sure. just wanted to know. It, it is out of the way enough that you're getting dedicated people who are interested. And then what that means is you get people who are actually who want to be there. Yeah. So you're not getting like these just like you know people just passing <clears throat> through. Everybody, you know, everyone who came through was there to be there. So it, yeah. you definitely have a better better vibe. It's interesting because sure. I I saw some people in their stories, you know, like. Man, oh, this is a great event, but oh man, they got to figure out this housing. And and I'm thinking, well, what are you bitching about? You had a place to stay, <laughs> you know. Like, there's, must not have been that big of a problem. You found an Airbnb. <laughs> there's there's camping. There's a lot of people camping there. I mean, they don't they don't have to do anything. I mean, it's like right. it's a question of whether or not you know. Are you gonna work for it? I mean, well, I mean, honestly. You know there were there were issues there were issues that there were issues that happened and it's like yeah. do they deal with them yeah they deal with them or can you handle it of course i mean yeah. in regards to like complaints people complain about everything so oh yeah Doesn't you matter. know it's like and, however i will say that the people who go on and, and they just start like fussing and fighting and fuming about this shit it's like go yeah. find your own stuff then i mean it's like else to do you know yeah. it's enough already i mean I, I think they did a great job i think that uh you yeah. know austin was he's super good kid he's a super good kid the the staff is very nice they had to make do they weren't prepared for the amount of people were there and, and they they yeah. did everything they could and uh you know we'll be back it is what it is, you know, and I think that's the beauty of it from, you know, being an observer and not a participant yet. Um, I would say that's probably the beauty of it is that it just, it makes no apologies for not being something more, you know. Well, this you're not is going there for the place. Play. You're going there yeah. for the people. So, yeah. like, right. you, you, what you end up seeing is, like, when you see those pictures that Mark Adams takes of, you know, a million pictures of fucking Derek from Malden because he can't do anything <laughs> and all he wants to see by the mirror and get his picture taken. They're actually having a good time. Like those people, everyone yeah. there is really ha are really happy to be there. I had a hard time kind of getting anything done because I was just thinking, seeing people that I hadn't met before and yeah. you know talking.
talking to people and like, you know, a lot of my sponsors were there. So I had a lot of nice conversations with them and, you know, yeah. it, was, it was a nice event. It was a nice event. I wish I could have gotten a little bit more work done, but uh, we got some good things done as a group. Good, good. Well, speaking of sponsors, I will bring up now that this episode, as well as all other Work For It podcast episodes, is brought to you by the good folks, the good folk, the good man, Lawrence, at Maritime Knife Supply. If you are in... Whoa, sorry. If you are in need of anything knife-making related, and making in general, to be honest, Lawrence carries a wide variety of products up across the border in Canada, so you can take advantage of the Canadian to USD exchange rate and get yourself a little bit of a discount. He ships once a day from Canada to the US, uh, and more frequently if needed, I believe, but... Uh, if you're looking for knife making supplies or making supplies in general, head over to Maritime Knife Supply and tell Lawrence we sent you. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. And you didn't know this, but if you buy a pack of ten belts from from them, oh, you get the yeah. tenth. You get you get the tenth free. Tenth free. Do you know this, Jeff? We had mentioned this on a previous episode, but does. Uh, does Lawrence refund for actual shipping costs versus uh, quoted in your order? I don't know about that. I don't know anything okay. about those kinds of things. Either. So there's some companies that do that, but I mean, it's like, you know, his, the service. He, I would say this. I would say this about Maritime. I talked to, to Lawrence for quite some time. His service is very good. And his yeah. service is very good for how fast. You don't think if you're United States, well, why would I get something from Canada? He's, mm -hmm. you're get, he's sending it out as quickly as you'd get it from anywhere else. So, yeah. I mean, I had a nice conversation yeah. with him, and he's he's very bladesmith related. So he's uh, he's got all this octagon material. He gave me a piece of octagon material for um, nice. integrals, and he's very he's at uh, the New England School of Metalwork as we speak, taking a class from Rick Dunkerley. So the guy knows what he's talking oh, about. Cool. Octagon and, uh, material. What the hell is octagon material? Well, yeah. what you, well, it's 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 like it's steel. That's forged or shaped in the into the stock of an octagon. Oh, not like okay, yeah, okay. So yeah. it's, it's there's a lot of you know you you know I know that you I know that you, all you the metal workers listen to this. You can buy stock in different sizes, uh, different shapes besides circular and, and round. I used right. to, when I was back in the back in the day when we were when I was working in railings. You could buy octagon and hex-shaped bars, and then they would mm -hmm. be perfectly, you know, they would look great, and they were great as stock <clears throat> material. So when I heard about it, I was just like, oh, that's awesome. So he has a lot yeah. of great stuff. So there you go. In, uh, so here's a, a novice ahead. question. Go In ahead. knife making, what would you use an, uh, like, pre-shaped octagon stock for? Well, it sets, your, it sets your size. If it's three quarters, it sets your size perfectly for an integral bolster. Okay. So, like, you wouldn't have to make your integral bolster... Uh, if you wanted an octagon shape, because an octagon shape is great for some type of handles, you wouldn't. Mm -hmm. have, all you'd have to do is incise the where the 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 transition between the bolster and the blade is, okay. and then you could butcher in where your uh, where your tang is, and then you don't have to touch the the bolster. So gotcha. it's like less work. There you go. Looks good. Perfecto. Love it. Yeah, that's that is interesting because yeah, that's one of the <laughs> unique things about wood right um it it well maybe not so unique but 
if you think about it, it comes in so many different shapes, sizes, and mediums, and materials, and from plywood to MDF to hardwood to you name it. It's And I don't think that much about steel, so uh, obviously it would come in other shapes and sizes as well as densities and chemical makeups and all that other shit. So pretty cool. There you go. Sure. Pretty cool. Well, I, I'm having a, a life moment this week. Oh, yeah? My, What's going on, man? My 12-year-old son is going to his first grade school dance. Wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been working his ass off all week to make sure he knows who's the boss around here. <laughs> what are you talking about? What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I posted a reel of him uh, uh, spraying the doors for our basement today. So that got me thinking about, yeah, I guess I have been working on him a little bit lately. But he's, uh, you know, when you're 12 years old, you're getting into girls and getting hair in places that you don't know you were going to get it. And, uh you know, he's definitely going through some of that where it's like you mention you mention the word girl and like the hair on the back of his neck stands up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be it'll be interesting. Of course, <clears throat> my wife, you know, the ever sentimental one, decided to invite all of his friends over here before the dance so that she could be the one taking Jack to his first dance. You know, so she wanted to make sure she did the invite before somebody beat her to the punch. <laughs> why do you th why do you think people are sentimental? What do you think being sentimental means? Well, what a question right there. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I have a theory. I have a theory. I think it makes you feel good. I think it makes personally it makes that there, there is a sent. I think people are most frequently sentimental about things that they've had an impact on some way, right? Um, most moments that I think of, uh, sentimentally, I feel like I changed the trajectory of that moment in some way. Right. Um, and so I guess I, I that's my theory is that we've put some stock into it and made it, made a difference or changed it somehow. I think sentimentality and nostalgia are two and two sides of the same coin go. where it's, it's just like all you are is just remembering the good parts of a situation. Hmm. So you don't have all that baggage of, you know, the bullshit you had to do around that thing. And you know, yeah. it's, it's just a, uh, I don't know. What the hell are we talking about here? What? I think that I be honest with you. I think that nostalgia and sentimentality is a little bit of a negative feeling. You, I think mm, I, really because yes, because I believe that in your in your deep in your heart you think that things can't get better than this particular part in your life, mm. and I think that that isn't a very positive way to go through your life. Where you think, where you nostalgia more than sentimentality. So nostalgia yeah. is more about like the fact that things just aren't the way they used to be, and right. I don't have any impact on that. So I'm going to dwell on things from the past and think fondly of them because things aren't going to get any better. And I think that that's a, a it's a so not negative. People... It's not negative. It's just not a uh, a it's not a positive mental way to go. So when, hold when, on to that. Go ahead. Yeah. So when I was start, first starting off making knives, every single time I made a knife, I would get super sentimental about it. And like, you know, there's the first couple that you hold on to just because it's the first couple. But how quickly when you were making knife, knives, Jeff, did you go from, you know, hey, I'm just making it to get out the door? Like, was there a transition for you where it's like, oh, man, I made this thing and it's kind of hard for me to give it away? 
That's a fucking good question. And here's the biggest problem that most knife makers have is they covet their work. Yeah. And that's a huge mistake. And I think that there's a lot of artists who feel the same way. And they find, and I talk to people who, craftsmen and makers, who there's one thing that they made that they feel as though I can't ever get rid of that. I'll never get and, to that. Well, yeah. it's because you, because mentally you think I can never do better than this, which is, which is yeah. very stifling in, in terms of you should have the, the mindset the next one's always going to be better. So yeah. I had to get to the point where uh, my father was an incredible painter. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Probably my favorite painter. Still to this day, I haven't met too many painters that, I mean, that I knew. I'm not talking about like classics. I'm talking about modern sure. painters. I'm talking about people that I knew who were exceptionally good painters. I don't think I've ever found anyone who, who I could identify with his work to the point where I really appreciated his work as a, from a painter. I, I spoke about his work uh, from an art, artist critique at his funeral. Like I, I did like nice. a, a post, whatchamacallit, whatchamacallit. So I felt as though the weirdest thing was he would never go into galleries and he could totally do, have done shows. He, you know, focused mm -hmm. on architectural work and stuff like that. And he never did shows and, it, and he'd never sold his work and he always kept it and he always kept it. And it was the sense of, he coveted his work. And I realized mm -hmm. he had the mentality that he thought that it couldn't get any better and I feel that that was so stifling that when I first started making lures and giant sculpture and then I made knives I would give them away even if they were great knowing that the next one has to be better mm. so yeah. gotcha. but otherwise because otherwise otherwise if you think that your your best days are behind you you're screwed yeah. you're right. totally screwed right. so the That's point where it's to the point where you just have to give it away I mean you have yeah. to give it away and um yeah Otherwise, there's no. Otherwise, you don't think you can get any better. Sure. I think I, it's a a barrier for a lot of folks who try to convert a hobby to a full time gig, um, and and I've found that to some extent moving from, you know, doing woodworking and other things as a hobby and trying to move that into more of a business is that you you can't. You can't be precious about things with a business, right? When it was a hobby, I, I was fine spending all day fussing over an apron strap or, uh, you know, perfecting a design so that it was, you know, perfect form fitting or this, that, or the other thing. Um, and it was okay because I wasn't relying on that. And then I think there are, and maybe it's a warning to folks who are looking to do just that. I mean, we hear so often now that, oh, I want to go full-time and I want to take my woodworking full-time or my knife-making full-time or this or that or the other thing. Um, I would say it's not something that is brought up very often, but it's definitely one of those watch-out situations is that if you can't literally make something, and like you said, Jeff, just give it to the next guy that walks down the street and have no qualms about it, then you're going to have a little bit of a hard time starting a business. Well, you you're, yeah. you're also stepping into other waters that are un uncomfortable for people to hear, which is yeah. the idea that going part-time to full-time, you, you seem to think, people seem to think that when you're turning a hobby into business, all you're doing is just adding money. <laughs> You know, and then right. you're not understanding no. that business is a lot more oh than you can't really be. That's the reason why artists don't. It's not a artist. Art isn't really truly a business. You know, it's not yeah. really like, you know, you're you're just like making as it comes and you get a gallery and stuff like this. But it's not like a business the way you sing a business. And I think yeah. that there's this strange mindset that because we deal at knife talk, we deal with people saying, I want to go to full time, I want to go full part time, full time. 
I don't know what this means. You're starting a business or you're not starting a business. You right, know, I, right. I think that there, it's, um, I think that there's, a, I always feel like there's a lot of people who have this idea of what you're supposed to be doing and they're just not really willing to commit. Yeah. If a switch has to flip that, that, uh, strongly, right? For for you to say, okay, I quit my full time job and now I'm going to take my business serious, then you then you probably were doing it wrong from the beginning, right? Right. And I feel like there's only two situations in which it should go full time. Either something goes bad in your full time job and you get laid off or whatever, and you're just trying to make something happen, be, you know, while you're while you're you know in the yeah. situation, yeah. or you know, like kind of what happened with my situation where it's like, you know, my, my full-time business or my full-time job wasn't paying as much as if I spent that time in the shop. Right. And it's like, you know, and you have to factor in all of the other, you know, bullshit like taxes and yada, yada, yeah. yada. Yeah. You know, if you make that, if you make that calculation and you are better ahead to, you know, sell your knives, yeah. make more knives, make whatever, and you have the clientele that's on the upward trajectory. I mean, I feel like that's yeah. if if you're jumping ship out of a better paying position. I mean, people do that, but I, sure. you know, it's it's so it's you a recipe gotta, for failure in my mind. Yeah, spend less time watching YouTube videos about how to make shit, <laughs> and spend more time watching YouTube videos about how to build a business. That that's that's like my well, number one advice. The, 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 <laughs> you know, the, the other thing, and I know this is the work for it podcast. And I know you guys like barking word for it all the time, but it, there's a lot of problems with people in regards to. And I get this on. I mean, I'm telling you, the questions we get on Knife Talk, it always comes down to I don't feel motivated. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not willing to. I don't want it to. I don't want it to not be fun, and I don't mm. want it to. And if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. And there's this strange disconnect and i think this because we're in this we 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 talk to the same people and we say the same things and they use the same words and they say the same things and there's not a lot of ability to say look some days are not fun and that's just the way it is Mm -hmm. and i think that it's very very hard and i think we're also there's a i talk about this on knife talk that there's this peter pan syndrome where if it's not fun don't do it and if it's not fun if i if i don't have fun i don't want to do the new rich right all i need is time to do the shit i want no but it's not even that it's it's more along the lines of like i don't want to make my hobby a, a job and yeah. it's like you can't i mean there's certain people who can make it happen and and I frankly frankly a lot of them aren't really making it happen you know, i would say like, uh behind the scenes you know it's uh they, they've all got shingles <laughs> <laughs> or or they all have patreon or they're right. trying to do Patreon, and it's like yeah. putting and nothing, no, no disrespect to people using Patreon, but it's like, yeah. it is to a certain degree. It's like you're you're supplementing a little bit of income because maybe maybe things aren't going yeah. the way you want them to go. And yeah. and I'm not compl- I'm not criticizing. I'm trust no. whatever it takes. Listen, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Do but it. I know, yeah. I do believe that there's a lack of you know there's a lack of Reality. motivation for to deal with real issues in a, in a very, very real way. You can, yeah. we can say all the fucking guru shit you want to say. You want to talk about that fucking goon, Gary V. You want to say all the shit he wants to say. <laughs> yeah, right. But also, ultimately, you can listen to every single podcast that motivates you. But if you need to listen to a podcast to motivate you, you got a bigger problem. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's been an interesting adventure for me in the past year, right? I, I had a hobby. I had a woodworking hobby. I had a social media hobby. 
and I clearly kept it as a hobby. I, I did not have strong aspirations to do, uh, to make furniture as a business or to make leather work as a business. I, I just, I didn't. I enjoyed how I did it. I would take commissions, you know, here and there just for some extra funsy money and tool money. Um, and I had no real aspirations at the time of starting a full-time business. And then health found me flat on my back and found me having to leave a, a job I had worked for 12 years and enjoyed. And one thing led to another and, you know, it was like, okay, you have the option now of searching for another quote real job or another desk job or whatever, or give this a try. And so, you know, I kind of got thrust into give this a try because you know, my health was still in enough limbo where it was like, oh, we don't know if we're going to have to go back to another procedure, or this or that or the other thing. So life was really in limbo for me and still is to some extent. And so it kind of got to this point where it was like, well, if you want to earn some money, this is probably about maybe not the only, but probably the best way for you to do it. And so I started drinking from the fire hose. I'm still drinking from the fire hose. Like you know, Pete. I have no fucking so clue. Pete, yeah. Right? Yeah. There are days I want to just sit down with a jug just like Pete. Let me tell you. Um, God, and it's, tell uh, me about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, can, I can legitimately say this, that uh, starting a business, uh, you know, basically cold from a cold start has been one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Yeah, uh, for it's sure. Not easy at all. You don't know what the fuck you're doing any of the time, and you'll probably never know if you're truly doing the right thing. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> there's here's here's the interesting thing that you mentioned. What you mentioned was you can do two things. You can either quit your job or something can happen. The yeah. something that the something can happen. In the, in my case, something happened. I was working for a guy who was a friend of mine, and I was I I've been taken away. I was working in a metal shop that I was miserable at. A friend of mine started a contracting company. He wanted to have me on, and it got really uncomfortable. And and it were fine. This guy and I are friends again, but it was like it didn't work. And yeah. he I was laid off very unceremoniously after an install on a Friday, and yeah. I really I had a shop and I had things to do, but you know it was like I really. I, you, you get a bit of a grace period because sure. if you're trying to do something like, all right, what am I going to do? And then um, I started making things and I had already kind of done side work with another metal worker and stuff like that. You're hustling already and you're trying to make it done. And, and, and people like your family notices that you're not just sitting around, you know, on yeah. the couch drinking, you know, sure. you're actually <laughs> right. going to do things. So you do have this kind of like mental grace period sure. to like build what you're trying to do. Now, of course, I mean, it's all based on your motivation and it's also based on the fact that are you one of these guys who says, you're, this is what I'm going to do and then never do it or are you making right. it happen? So for me, I, I was yeah. fortunate enough to have that situation where like my wife knew how hard I worked and, mm -hmm. you know, it, it worked out. But I mean, I would imagine like if I had approached her and say, I have this metal working, I'm in this metal shop and I got a, you know, good paying metal shop job, I'm quitting to make knives i think she would have been very nervous i think she's yeah. been very nervous yeah you know? how long how long before you feel like you you made it work um you mean the knife making yeah 
Yeah, I still or you're, don't or think running I'm your own work. business. I mean, I still don't think I'm. I mean, I have. I have. I'm biz, my business partner. We have two employees. I. I mean, we're still. We're still growing, and it's still. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not living on you know Fifth Avenue. You know, it's right. It's it's. I'm investing my time, and then I'm actually making sculpture <clears> to help. Uh, build. I mean, I'm my own investor. Like I'm build, building all this goddamn sculpture, and I'm putting all the money of the sculpture into the business too, so I can grow. Right. So I'm my own investor. You know. Yeah. So I just dumped. I just dumped like twenty grand in sculpture into the shop, just because. Number yeah. one, it's for tax reasons, it makes my life easier. But two, it's like I'm the investor. I'm the investor yeah. now. So it's like it gives me a lot more control. I don't have to deal with partners. I don't have to deal with loans. I mean, it works yeah. out. But I mean, like, you know, it isn't easy. I mean, uh, it yeah. isn't easy. And I'm not, I never feel, I, and the other thing is, is the day you feel satisfied, you might as well hang it up. So right. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I come from family that like we work all the time and it's like yep. we're never <laughs> truly satisfied. So once you get to the point where you're ready to pat yourself on the back, it's, you know, toes up. Yeah. Yeah. So here's my question. Go so ahead. of course you have your sculpture and you have your knives. Do you sell anything? Else? I mean, I I know that you don't normally sell a whole lot of else outside of that. But have you ever gotten into the idea of selling you know other things to kind of you know pad the books because there's such, especially when you first start off, there's feast and famine that that really can make and break some people. Ah, uh, I mean, you know. I- you mean did I ever like eBay all my comic books? I mean, you know, that was that was that was years back in the back in the uh, early be your 2000s NFT I did, on. but uh, in the back in the 2000s I did, but uh, no, I mean you know I always when I was just making sculpture I was kind of like you know it was it's always feast and famine. I mean that's right. you yeah. have to be, but now I mean Fader Knives I I try to you know I know that some people like high highs and low lows and they focus on these holidays you know they focus on christmas is like this is my time that i yeah. i'm a big fan of like not high i don't like high highs and i like mm. i don't like low lows like right in the middle and i've been right in the middle this whole year we had a couple really good months in the summer and nice. then you know we had september was weird and um but at the same time yeah. it's like we're we're completely, you know, we're changing the the pathway of the business where I'm not focusing just on custom orders where I have inventory. So it's mm-hmm. it's a different mindset. And frankly, what I'm focusing now on is how to be a good leader. You know, I, I have yeah. uh, I have people working for me and I have to decide I don't want to micromanage people and I don't want to I want to give people some opportunity to enjoy the job that they're doing. And I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to say no all the time. And I want to listen to people's opinions and I want to make good decisions and I don't want to overthink everything. And I want to be, you know, very decisive. Are you, and are you dealing with my 12 year old? It sounds like the same shit I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not making your, tr- I'm not making my kids paint things right. and I'm not sending right. them to camp, you know, or sending them to, f- but I mean, it's, I, I, I'm at a different stage in my life than you, Brian. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm about to be 49 and, and like, I've, you know, been through it. So, sure. Um, well, what, it's a I different, guess the, my mindset's different. I guess the reason why I bring it up is like, for me personally, I've, I've kind of over the past year and a year and a quarter that I've been, you know, full time or not working another job. Um, you know, I've had such feast and famine. You do, you do these giant, you know, you get bulks and bulks of orders coming in and then you don't get some for a, I've I've had 6 months where like very few right. come through and it's it, it's really nice when the feast comes through and you can you know pad your 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 accounts and whatnot and then all of a sudden those things wean out and wean out 
Um, So I guess the, the thing that I think might be a little bit of a change for me is I had this carbon fiber company get a hold of me and I was doing some testing with them to work on some handles. Um, basically they're a structural carbon fiber company where, you know, they make, they make subframes for ultra light cars and like race cars and stuff like that. Um, where like the center of the, the frame is carbon fiber, whatever. So they got a hold of me and they, they happened to be local to me and they got a hold of me and said, you know, we make uh, multiple times a week, we make these, you know, 12 by 12 inch sheets by quarter inch of this carbon fiber. Do you think you could use it for knives? You, do you want to have a tile just to test and see if it's any good? And I said, well, yeah, of course. I, I want to, you know, free, free carbon fiber. Of course, I'm going to snap that right up. Gave it a few tests and it, everything looks really good. It seems to be on par with everything else that I've ever used with carbon fiber. And uh, yeah, we kind of started going into business with it. And I've got my first batch of 10 tiles of carbon fiber. It's a, we call it X-Forge carbon fiber. It's like a marbled, shredded carbon fiber. And then we've got 10 pieces of what we're calling Black Pearl, which is a monodirectional carbon fiber where there's no like structure in it. It just looks like a a black, like a lustery. It looks like as if a pearl, but like a shadow version of a pearl. So like you, you turn it in the light and all of a sudden, like in some directions, it looks kind of matte. And then some directions it gets super reflective. It's really quite interesting. Super cool. So how do you, how are you finding the carving of it? Um, honestly, I mean, if I, I know you don't normally use carbon fiber, I guess I haven't really seen carbon fiber in your knives so much. I have. Have you I really? Was given, I was given carbon fiber from NASA. And, no and shit. Then, and then, I, and then I've told some. And then, and then I've started. To say, I said it must have come from a piece of garbage can. Is it, <laughs> this, is, this is like they gave me the NASA garbage can. But I, the problem was, it means great stuff. It's awesome, but it's like the grinding of it is so. You just feel like when the dust when mm-hmm. it goes in the air, you're just like it's like you can. It's the visual, oh, all that the visual stuff, representation right? of future cancer. So yeah, anyway, you yeah. definitely have to use respirators and take all of your PPE very seriously with it. But yeah. now that I know that you use carbon fiber, I'm going to send you some just so you can give it a try. I, um, you don't have to do that. I don't know I don't, but don't give me anything. Don't bullshit. Give me anything. You're, I'm, I'm sending don't you some. Don't give me anything. I don't want anything. <laughs> don't give me anything. Don't okay. send me anything. Nobody send me anything. <laughs> you get his address. But anyway, let me just know so I can send, send him, me uh, anything. A wood cutting board. I don't want anything. Nobody send me anything. Don't send okay. me anything. Okay. Okay. So All right. to finish up, okay. hold on. Let me go, go ahead, ahead and finish up real quick. So I've got ten plaques of the carbon fiber, twelve by twelve by quarter inch, and I've got ten sheets of this monodirectional black pearl material. The carbon fiber, the the shredded carbon fiber is going to be $75 a pop. The monodirectional, which is traditional, actually it's it's made for the the blades of those giant wind turbines. Huh. So it's it's super interesting stuff. Something worth trying out for sure. And it's uh 3 thick. But so that 12 by 12, each sheet is 12 by 12. So you can get like I mean, it's seven a, knives out of it ish, ish, six solid, or seven knives. Solid, yeah. And nice. um, so the the black pearl is it's four and a half inches wide by twelve by three sixteenths, and that's going to be forty five. And they're up on my website right now this minute. Feel free to uh, go check it out and get you some. Frankly, that's a pretty good price for getting yeah. handle scales. So if you're ta- let's say you get seven sets, seven handle scales out of seventy five bucks, right? I mean, you do the math. It's and then you start using all of the extra offcuts between, and you, you do bolsters on knives, and you, you do, do 
I mean, there's there's a lot of material there, and I've 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 looked all around, and I've kind of seen where the price is, and it's it's definitely lower, and it's it's worth it to me. Maybe I could be making more, but I'd rather you know people get it for a cheaper price. Look at you! Yeah. Look at yeah, you, be cool. A man of the people. I'm trying. I'm trying. Man of the people. That's a so you. Look at you. You'll be partnering in with this this other guy or a retailer? No, so basically or? this uh, this carbon fiber company, they, they're having me make them like six or seven knives as like their Christmas presents this year. Okay. And they're giving me a big hunk of, you know, like I'm getting, I think it's like 30 slabs of carbon fiber and a bunch of the black pearl. And that's nice. kind of like the nest egg. I'm going to sell all that stuff and reinvest it in buying more to keep this train rolling so that, there you, go. you know, I, I don't have money to invest in buying, you know, 50 sure. pieces at the price that I get it at. Because it's, yeah. it's just not in the cards. But luckily, they're nice enough to work with me on that and make it happen. So Very cool. In regards yeah, to cool. investing in your company, I mean, for me, I've been very fortunate to be on the, uh, you know, podcasting for, I mean, Knife Talk is a monster, you know, yeah. and yeah. it it's, it's helps. It helps payroll. It helps all, all these things. You're talking about hustling and stuff like that. All this stuff helps, you know, having yeah. relationships with, with companies and and and, um, and it, it all helps. So good. God bless you. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's great. It it uh, brings up a question. Um, eh, maybe I'll save that. Where, oh, you're gonna save it for the, the after show? Yeah, we'll save it for the after show. Now here's the want... question. Here's the question. Will the after show be better than this? <laughs> yeah. We yes. we don't we don't say that it's better. It's just if you oh, want to support us, it's listen. Just more. Here's the thing. It's just more. The more thing, is Jeff. always because what I was going to say more, is more, what more, I was going to say more. is what if it isn't better? I'll tell. I'll say on our free after show on Knife Talk. I'll tell you oh, if it's better. Oh. Here's the trade off, Jeff. Go ahead. We we have one supporter, so we talk about you know we talk about Lawrence Lake and Maritime Knife Supply. We don't have, you know, 20, 30 different people that we have to shoehorn into the, the conversation. True. True. And we also True. don't run commercials on our podcast. Instead, we're relying on the people. Be if you want to if you want to give us a dollar a month or so, if you feel like we're worth it, <laughs> instead of instead of doing all these commercials, you can have a nice easy listening. Me, are you and then you can me? have a nice after wait a show second, as your as your reward. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second, fucking mm. B-Cone. You just did you just did 25 minutes on your goddamn Damn, your your fucking focaccia uh, carbon fiber, and then when, we, when okay. we do our when we do our ads, they're seamless. <laughs> our ads are seamless, man. Listen, listen. Be, be going text We're talking me before shit. the uh, before the episode. He says, "Hey, let's not shit talk in this show." Yeah, we'll Go, ahead. Yeah, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm not afraid. I'm about, afraid. About an hour. Go afraid. <laughs> I'm not afraid. You know how it is. You listen. Listen. You know. I know. B. Cone knows all about Knife Talk. He's the first person to enter the Knife Talk build-along. I, I was just going to say. And you know what I was doing with that? You know what I was doing with that? I was showing off this carbon fiber with the colors that might be coming out here but in a few But you didn't months. even say that in the fucking so, thing, dude. Speaking of the build-along that is... Uh, that is invading our fucking Get hashtag. Fuck Get the fuck out of here. How about we? How about we look at? How about we look at the WFI project? Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Crazy. That was it. I was giving you guys like I was like let's 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 do a little slap and tickle. That's the called yeah. the slap and tickle. So I beat your bricks and then they give you a little tickle. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh shit. Anyway, do we want to look at uh, what's new on the hashtag or or what are we gonna do with that today? 
Yeah, if you want to, go ahead and bring one up. Yeah, let's pull it up. Well, i got to find my goddamn phone. Uh, see? See? I, That's what I'm your Patreons have to deal with, ladies and gentlemen. When you're a Patreon of the show, you got to deal with it. you got to bring his reading glasses on. you got to find his computer. Let me move my lunch. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is called dead air right here. What do we got to fill the dead air? No, Where is everybody? Are you gonna edit I this part out, or are we gonna? I can't find it, so I gotta we, go to We the don't old... edit a damn thing. I'll bring up the first edit? one. What the hell's edit? Yeah, yeah. I'll bring up the go first ahead. one. Red go Snake ahead. Forge. Go ahead and check him out. He's got eight hundred and seven or eight hundred and ninety-seven followers. Ooh, he's nice. got a. It looks like a nice little chopper that he's working on, and you know, he's. It looks like it's a nice brute to forge finished on the thing. Very well done, and it's got a leather sheath to go with it. It's. It, I mean, he's. He's. A, he does decent work. He does, you know, it looks like yeah. he's still relatively new to knife making, but yeah, man, he's he's getting after it for sure. There's B-Cone. over 7,000 posts in here. Sorry, go ahead. B-Cone, you want a fucking monster to follow with not a lot of followers? Who's that? Mike the Knife Johnson. Okay. Mike the Knife Johnson, there's some underscores in there. He's out in, he's out in, or, he's out in the North Fork of Long Island. This guy is a monster, a total monster. Great guy. Awesome knife maker. He was the one who gave me the idea to do an integral hatchet for Maker Camp when Jesse right. and Cliff and I did it. But Mike the Knife Johnson, that dude is a monster. Total monster. Doesn't have a lot of followers. Great guy. Mike the Knife Johnson. And awesome name, by the way. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Instagram, how about right? it? He looks like Mike. The, I think he pulls one of his teeth out. He's outstanding. <laughs> nice. Mike the Knife Johnson. Oh, man. man have you trying... figured this thing out yet or no? What's that? Have you have you found one? Oh yeah, I got a bunch right here. Give her. Um well I was gonna shut up. Moonshine Leatherworks, of course. Um guy's just killing it and uh I don't I I can't figure out how he gets his leather work so damn clean, but it is just phenomenal. And so I've been enjoying him. But this other one from K Hack Cutlery, he was uh talking about some maritime knife supply stuff this nordic edge vice is what he's posting about uh six days ago so that was caught my eye and i got one more if you want it go for it and then diy europe who got a metric tilt plate (laughs) some some uh version of it it appears i think he uh bastardized one of uh housewart's uh true tilt plates to be metric enabled somehow so it was kind of a good little jab at brian i've got one last thing and then we can get away from the knife uh hashtag wfi projects so neil warren over at maximus knives he is also doing a, a different thing outside of just making knives he has started making what he's calling the max grip I'm going to go ahead and let him talk about it. Hi, Work For It podcast listeners. This is Neil with Maximus Knives. Just wanted to hop in and say, of course, I love the podcast, love everything coming out with the WFI2 and all the interviews. Um, I do have a new product out. I just wanted to let everybody know about the Max Grip Universal hot stamp jig it's a really great system that you can take and put your hot stamp in so you're not having to dick tong it or hold it weird or burn your hand or worried about hitting your hand and you can get consistent repeatable results with your hot stamp Um, check them out Uh, go to my page on instagram at 
Maximus knives and see what I've got going on. I'm doing a pre-order for the first 100. I'm doing 115 shipped within the U.S. And after that, there'll be 125 plus shipping. So please be sure to hit me up and get one soon. They are getting snatched up fairly quick. Y'all have a good one, and I appreciate it. If Dick Tony cool. is in his slug line, I he I'm gonna have a sense that send him a cease and desist letter. <laughs> <laughs> do you know Ben? Do you Ben? Do you know what Dick oh, yeah. Tonging is? Yep. See, because yep. most of the listeners don't know what Dick Tonging actually is. <laughs> I can't so, believe that they don't Dick listen to enough podcasts. Well, Dick Tonging is something that my friend. Well, I mean, I knew of Dick Tonging. Now, if you're doing a hot stamp, you might Dick Tong. And Dick Tonging yeah. is is like you, you have need your a third man. hand. The third, that's what Uri Hoff used to call it, the third hand. So you hold the material with your tongs and then you put it under your, under your sachich, you know, holding it with your legs, but you're mm -hmm. not really, you usually have a, you have a clip, you have a, you have a tong clip on and then you're holding it. And as long as your, your anvil is the height of your balls, you're, you're in good shape and you won't get any yeah. smashing, but. So Critical dimension in a in a blacksmith shop, I gather, is to make sure your anvil is the same height as your crotch. Well, I mean, it's not really that critical, but I mean, it's like <laughs> if, you, if you are in the position of having to dick tong, it's beneficial to know your your geometry. I, I yeah. would kind of disagree on. I would disagree a little bit on that because I think that it's super important that your anvil is at the correct height because mine is about two inches too low, and I'm constantly stooping over that thing. Mm. It sucks. But it, but if you're striking, if you're doing a lot of striking, you don't want it that high. If you have a striker, yeah. you don't want it that high. You want it lower because you want the full force of the swing. I think that a lot of people have their hand. I used to have my anvil high, but the, and you're not getting as much. You're not getting as much of that energy from the hammer yeah. swing if it's too <clears> high. So it is <clears> better to have it a little bit on the lower side. So like <clears> if you hold your arm, if you hold your arm straight down where your knuckles hit. That's basically where your balls are. So right where yeah. your balls are, it, just lay your balls on it, and then that's where it should be. Yeah, slap them right on there. Right. So you know, I mean, don't swing. Mean, didn't mean uh, to destroy the the ad, but you know. Well, I, I I've uh, I remember when Neil came up with the idea for that um, stamp holder, and I remember thinking how brilliant it is. I don't obviously hot stamp metal, but I use a branding iron on furniture, um, and like constantly I'm getting the uh, the shadow marks and all that happy horse shit and it can be a royal pain in the ass. Mine's not, you know, my application of a hot stamp isn't quite as uh, critical or permanent. I can sand a mistake off fairly easily. I just make a wooden box so I can slide my branding iron down in it. But this thing Neil Scott's pretty damn slick, I got to say. Pretty damn slick. I hope he does well with it. Yeah, for um, sure. One more, speaking of stamps, Colin Hayworth was playing around with some copper ingots and uh, stamped some little, I don't know what they call these things, worry stones, little pocket bling, you know. That seems to be like the popular thing now, these little fidget fucking things that, you know, fidget spinners are dead, but now you put a piece of copper in your pocket and worry on it. But there you go. If you want to get yourself a little copper... Worry Stone, check out Colin. Really, you really screwed that ad up. I mean, you're like, <laughs> so if I don't want this fucking thing, you just put your pocket down the it. dark road there. <laughs> yeah, you certainly didn't really help him out with that one. They are cool. It's uh, so, I, I, I think I shared the fidget guy a couple episodes ago. I'm intrigued by that stuff. I don't carry anything like that. I don't feel like I have time to play with a fidgety thing. I 
just build shit instead. So, so while we're cool. here and looking at hashtags, do we want what was it? Knife talk build along to see the uh, the butter knives. Do we yeah. want to check that out as well? I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I last episode of knife talk, I, I kind of shouted out a lot of people who were getting involved with it. So that's fine. Look, we've done enough. Haven't we done enough? We gonna, have we? I don't know. I mean, you tell me. Yeah. You tell me. I, uh, I can tell you. I can tell you if you give me a second. I can tell you all the people have been doing the knife talk build along, oh, and this is how you do. Fewer than hundred posts in that hashtag, but you know, just a small little thing. <laughs> Come on now. We wouldn't that, take long to big, go through that's, it. That's, that's apples and oranges. <laughs> I mean, that's a low blow. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, man? You, Goodness. Come on, give me a break. Jeez, I'm just saying it wouldn't take long to go through it. That's all. I'm, I, I was just talking about the people who did the... I mean, people, some people don't have time to be doing all this shit. Right. I, I agree. Pico Knives, Walrus Steel, Custom Cast, Littleton Supply Company, Alfredo Facciapieri, uh, Jacob Hamilton, Burger Blades, Rod, and and uh, they did the knife talk build along, and I think Craig did it too. Yeah, so Craig so did Craig, it. So I think cool. the best because I mean that the, <laughs> yeah. the whole like ad that went with it, man, that was that was pretty. Craig fun. likes making videos more than he likes making knives. I think. <laughs> so what's the deal with his? Uh, he lost his Instagram account, eh, because of a he, iPhone. He got a new phone with a new number. He didn't realize that he had two two what call it authenticity, and uh, he lost oh. chopped knives. But I don't think he's too upset about it because he's. He didn't seem it. to be. No, yeah. he's not too upset about it. So. Instagram, um, but at the same time, it's like you know he's 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 on he's on all sorts of, all sorts of stuff. I, I don't think it I don't think it would affect I don't think it affects him the way it affects other people. That's sure. the thing about business is like a lot of people don't care, but he doesn't feel the need to like you know haul ass on things. But at the same time, yeah. he's got plenty of avenues. Yeah, sure. yeah, good, good. Well, I think that's a, a that's a full show. We're hour and fifteen wow. in. There's one uh, thing we missed there, Ben. We got to do a but, dad joke. But oh, I was geez. just going to say. <laughs> I just did I, it for that sigh right I, there. I, I, so I, I was going to actually bring I mean, it I up, too. That, I know that you have fans who just, I love the dad jokes. I never did. And they're never good. I mean, it's fine. I, the best part oh, is until when today. plays the, tromb the trumpet. He plays the trombone. That's great. Yeah, man. It is. The tuba but, I mean, is like the critical. Jokes are, I mean, <laughs> street jokes are hard as they are. I mean, street, street jokes are tough, man. All right, Go you ahead. got that tube warmed up? Let him rip. I got you. Why don't monsters eat ghosts? Jesus Christ. Oh, my Go God. This is, this is where I get off. Go ahead. Well, uh, uh, because they taste like sheet. This is the worst bit of all time. I'm telling you, seriously, you might re really reconsider this because it's just not even kind of funny. It's just like, go ahead, keep, give me, keep it coming. Might as well go with the bit. I'll go with the bit. Go ahead. Keep going. I don't. I don't think I have another. I, I don't know that I can top that. Top that? <laughs> Top that? Oh, my God. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. And I know everybody in Canada seems to love this bit. So go ahead. It's a good going. joke to teach your Catholic school kid, you know? Let him go to school and talk some sheet. Oh, nice. He's playing us <laughs> off. He's playing us off. Guys, we got to well, get into this after show. Come on now. Let's roll it. If you would like to hear more about business in the workshop, stick around for the after show. If you're not going to stick around for the after show or you don't know how, it's easy. Become a patron. Go to patreon.com and search work for it. That's all you got to do. And if dollar, you listen to dollar a month. Knife Talk next week, I'll tell you if it's worth it or not. Okay, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Talk I have no doubt we'll hear all about that. It's up to us to make it worth it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good week. Hard work. 
Good luck and work for it.